Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. What's the secret sauce that keeps Chicago's oldest businesses thriving? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. fantasized about starting your own business? Maybe a quiet little neighborhood bookshop that hosts a reading club on Wednesday nights? Or how about a local bar that's a go-to on game nights? Or better yet, would you finally fulfill that dream of opening up a hip and happening breakfast spot? Well, whatever it is, getting it started, let alone keeping it going, is a challenge. Businesses come and go, and opening up a mom-and-pop shop in the age of mega corporations like Amazon, well, that can feel like a David versus Goliath situation. But fortunately for all of us, there are still plenty of shops in Chicago that have been around for decades, some even reaching that centennial birthday. So what's the secret to keeping that restaurant, bakery, or boutique around for 100 years? In a few minutes, we're going to talk to a local baker, a pub owner, and a mother-son duo that help run one of the city's oldest restaurants. But first up is Sean Flink. He's the new CEO of Clark Devon Hardware in Rogers Park. And as he explains, their store goes way back. So we are uh, a 100-year-old business as of next year. And Amazing. The, the store has been owned by three generations of the same family, family-owned and operated for 99 years. Um, the uh, current uh, owners, uh, most recent generation, Ken and Ed Walchek, they retired uh, at the end of June and they decided to sell the uh, store to the employees. So now we are 100% employee owned and going on to a 100 year anniversary, which I think is really exciting. That is incredible. So Ken and Ed, they turned the business over to the staff? Correct. Yeah. So they were getting near retirement age and they were wanting to, uh, you know, spend more time with their family and pursue their own interests after a long career. And uh, they had many offers to sell the store to outside investors like any, you know, successful business owner would. Mm -hmm. And they decided to sell it to the employees um, as a way for employees to uh, build wealth and as a way to, I think, develop a continuity of the reputation of the store Mm -hmm. and uh, out of loyalty to the employees and and to the customer base. That's awesome. How long have you been with the hardware store? Um, I've been with the store since 2008. Since 2008. So quite a long time. time. So what, 15 years? Trying Uh, to do the quick math. 15 years, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Trying to do some quick math. Uh, So what's it like then, Sean, to now be the CEO of this business? I mean, that you've invested so much in, but also one that has this long history like you just explained. It's uh, it's a lot of responsibility. I mean, myself and all of the employees that have been there, many of us have been there a long time, um, 15, 20 years. We have a lot of respect for the reputation of the store that the Walchecks built. I mean, they spent a lifetime building uh, this business, mm-hmm. and the, the reputation of the business is one of, uh, you know, we're here to serve customers. We're here to uh, help people run their uh, properties. So... Many of our customers are in property management right. or they are building owners themselves. So, you know, if you own a building or you manage a property, you go to Clark Devon Hardware. That's kind of the reputation they've built. So 
the idea of you want to keep that going obviously and the idea of maintaining that uh, reputation is really really important to myself and all the staff yeah i'm curious too if if over the years i mean as you talk about sort of holding up that reputation uh, were there ever any decisions maybe that had to be made that you that would have maybe taken you on a different course but it's like no 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 ken and ed wanted it to be this way so we're going to keep this in that direction well Certainly, I think any decision we make, we look at it through that lens. Like, what would Ken and Ed do? And and that lens has always been, like any successful business, business owner would say, like, what's right for our customers? So, you know, who is our customer base and what's right for them? And, and like I said, for us, the focus being on property management and uh, facility maintenance, it's the idea of what does someone need to run those properties? So, um I would say every decision is kind of looked through the lens of what's right for those folks. Yeah. So the the businesses that we're celebrating today in this conversation, Sean, they're what we call uh, the backbone of the local economy, right? Um, they've stood the test of time. So I'm curious what you would say is the key to achieving that longevity. Well, I would say the the biggest thing, as I stated, is kind of knowing your customer base, understanding where you bring value to them. Uh, understanding how you can serve their needs. So in our situation, like I said, they're running properties, they're running businesses of their own. So where do we fit in to that business and where can we bring value for them is really the the key. Um, I think if you can understand that and you can focus on that, you'll, you'll be successful. Yeah. Well, you know, you talked before about being sort of that go-to, right? When folks need some work done, they'll go to Clark and Devon. Um, what is the store's expertise that you say would set it apart from those big box hardware stores like, dare I say, Lowe's, mm-hmm. for instance? Sure, sure. Well, so where we really stand apart from the big box stores is we have folks that are knowledgeable on the products we sell. We offer uh, professional service, courteous service. And I would also say a big differentiator for us is our product selection. So. You know, you may think that a Lowe's or a Depot with 100,000 square feet would have anything you could possibly need. But in fact, when you go in there and look for a kind of specific product related to, you know, an old building or an old home, oftentimes they don't have the right mix of products. And that's kind of where we've certainly focused our energies is, you know, what do you need for an old house? What do you need for an old building? You know, every day people walk in, they've got an old part from a window or like an old part from a kitchen faucet. They've been all over the city looking for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they show it to someone in the store. We say, no problem. We've got it. How many do you need? If we don't have it, we can order it. So that's really that something that's... That personal that's, touch. Absolutely. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, you know, the city, we know it's changed so much over the years, right? Neighborhoods here, some of them don't look the same as they mm-hmm. did 50, 100 years ago. Sure. Has the hardware store changed at all from from what it was doing fifty years ago, a hundred years ago? I know you're still trying to keep that Ken and Ed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, mentality. But have you made changes? Well, I think the big changes. I mean, we're always bringing in new products, and we bring in, you know, through listening to customers and through listening to the market. You know, certainly there's new technology and new items we need to bring in, and we've done that. And we've also, you know, more recently been really aggressive with our online business. So that's been a new driver of revenue for us. It's been very successful for us. It's allowed us to sell to, you know, again, property owners and building owners, 
not just in Chicago, but all over the country. So that's that's been very successful. Yeah. Well, next year, as we mentioned, you're going to mark 100 years. How are you celebrating that centennial? Well, we're going to do an event, probably a few events throughout the year. Um, we're still like kind leading of... Leading up to it? Leading up to When's it. When's the actual anniversary? I don't think we have an actual date. We just know it's, you so know, you 1924. Can make it exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we may have a few parties. Yeah. Um, no, but fun. yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. What do you want to see? I mean, a CEO in the next 50 to 100 years? What would, so, you know, the next set of folks mm-hmm. would be like, what would Sean do, right? Sure. Well, I mean, we've always toyed with the idea of having another location, which is obviously a big, a big undertaking. But because so many of our customers travel from all over the city to us as a resource, we've always thought, well, there's other markets and other neighborhoods that we could serve. We're, we're pretty far north. We're in Rogers Park. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's old housing stock uh, on the south side. There's old housing stock on the west side of the city. So having a location you know, maybe south of the loop even was something we've always thought about. And I'd I'd like to consider certainly at some point. Yeah. Well, I got to read you a a little shout out that you just got from our Sun-Times colleague, Stefano. He just messaged us and he said, uh, I live in Portage Park, but I'm happy to drive all the way to Clark Devon Hardware because the people who work there really know their stuff. Unlike some of the big box employees who think reading the product label is offering good customer service. Oh, well, thank you, Stefano. That's very kind. How does that make you feel hearing that, that? I mean, that makes me feel great, really. And, I mean, that's what we strive to do. I mean, many of our employees, like I said, have been with us for a long time. Many of them have a background in the trades. Many of them are property owners themselves. So when you've used a product, when you've used an item yourself, it's much easier to say, you know, this is what you need. This will work. You know, that confidence that comes from using what you're selling is really, really huge. And I think that certainly sets us apart from from many other competitors. Yeah. Well, you know, when all is said and done, what's the store's legacy, you think? How do you want folks to remember Clark Devon Hardware? Well, I think, like I said, our reputation has been it's we're a resource where we have anything you would need to manage your home or manage your building. And we have professional, courteous service day in day out and and that reputation has been built over the years and and for me being able to maintain that and build on that is is really key and 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 a huge responsibility that I feel for sure now we'll pull another voice into the conversation Brad Rompsa is the owner of Burwood Tap in Lincoln Park which has been in operation since 1933. Hey, Brad, welcome to Reset. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Doing well. Wow, that's a lot of years. 1933? Yes, 1933. Uh, my grandfather opened it right when uh, uh, Prohibition ended. Yeah, that's, and, a, that's a heck of a time to open a bar. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. What do you know about those early days from your grandfather? Oh, just uh, just a corner neighborhood joint, and uh, it, it have a lot of people finish off work, come on in. He was uh, he started off bartending, and um, yeah, people would walk down from after their job or whatever, or walk down uh, from their homes and come in and have a cold beer. I believe the price then was I think twenty five cents for an old style. Nice. <laughs> so wow. Yeah. We've 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 certainly come a long way. Uh, in, in Chicago's got a lot of bars and pubs, right? So, I imagine that it can be hard to stand out, stand out from the crowd. So, I want to hear in your words, Brad, what sets Burwood apart. Uh, we've uh, you know nothing's really changed since 1933. We've uh, always had a free popcorn machine and uh, 
good good specials on cold beer. Always kept the beer very cold. That's a that's a huge one. And uh, just having a really nice, friendly staff. People walk in and have a smile on their face and everything, and be real upbeat about everything. So that that's always been a, an important. Uh, concept to keep it running yeah you know and i'm hearing a trend so far you know as we talk to folks who are from establishments that have been around for so long everyone sort of talks about the fact that we haven't changed much do you think that that's kind of the key brad is is sort of keeping it the same yeah i I, you know you believe like second generation or you know they want to oh i'm gonna do this my my grandfather had it this way i want to change this and put this in there or, or take out a uh, a jukebox or whatever it is, and I just the, the only thing that changed was uh, the the payphone was taken out. That was the only thing. Still, uh, same pool table, same uh, popcorn machine, and uh, same draft beers and bottled beers, and nothing's really changed on that. So I think people kind of kind of like that, and everyone wants to go out and reinvent the wheel or something and change it. And that's one thing Burwoods never did. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> are, are you, uh, do you see, do you get folks come in who've sort of been coming to, to Burwood for all, all the years and they sort of share memories yeah. with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of people always say they first met their wife here or something. And, uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, it's been, like I said, it's been around for many, many years and, um, People just love it. They just love that the little neighborhood corner feeling. I love that. Love stories at Burwood. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then I'll have different generations come in and say, oh, my, my parents met here and I wanted to come in. I'm from Michigan or I'm from uh, so-and-so and this is where they wow. met or they had their wedding. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. That is that is awesome. That's got to be pretty cool from your standpoint as well as the owner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just to keep that legacy going. So I'm going to ask everyone this question today. So I, I have to ask you, Brad, what have you and your family learned in the last 90 years in the business? Well, like, what would you say are, is the key to success? The key to I just having the, the staff be on board and just having a smile. So when somebody comes in, you don't know if they got off work or they got laid off or whatever their story or they're fighting or whatever, just to kind of have that good, warm welcoming when they walk in. You know, as they say, you're not fully dressed until you have a good smile. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's Brad Ramsa, who's a third-generation owner of Burwood Tap. We've also been talking with Sean Flink, the CEO of the nearly century-old Clark Devon Hardware. Thank you both for chatting with us. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you. Back now with more Reset. Clark Devon Hardware and Burwood Tap They're pretty amazing, right? But they're just two of countless independent businesses in our city. So let's meet a few more of your neighbors who know what it's like to keep a family business going for decades. Joining us are mother and son, Kim and Lucian DePoffey. Their family runs Pompeii Restaurant in Little Italy. Also with us is John Roser of Roser's Bakery in Humboldt Park. Kim kicked us off with a little of the history behind their neighborhood restaurant. So I'm fourth generation. Lucian here with me is fifth. My parents, Ralph and Rosemary Davino, are the current owners. Okay. Uh, Grandpa Luigi came uh, over from Italy. Grandpa Luigi. Yeah, yeah. I of mean, course. seriously. <laughs> you could go I love it. And see our story uh, right on our website, but uh, came over from Italy, you know, the immigrant story. Mm-hmm. And uh, with his family, ran our bakery since we've touted uh, 1909 for 
eight, about 80 years, and we're working with the city of Chicago currently to get the exact date. So it's somewhere between 09 and 24. So oh, wow. we're hoping to celebrate. So it could be well over 100 yes, years. Yes, it could be well over 100, but we're going to do an official celebration in uh, 24. Oh, I bet you are, and I bet it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So your father owns the business. You help with operations. Your kids also work in the business. Any other family members keeping this thing afloat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom's down there every day. Uh, they live above the restaurant. And uh, my Aunt Carm has been involved with my father for 30-plus years. Wow. Uh, she's there every day handling our banquets, our finances, et cetera. So it's it's definitely a family effort to keep it running. And what do you do at Pompeii, Lucian? Well, yeah, so I'm basically uh, working with the customers. I'm just making sure they're getting all their food on time and uh, making sure I'm they're I'm just enjoying. making sure they get their food on time. That's yeah. the biggest job. Yeah, no, it is important. <laughs> I definitely uh, I enjoy it. You know, Just like with our family, we yeah. wouldn't be doing it if we didn't love interacting with the customers. So The restaurant business is in your blood. It's in the blood. You know, can't get away from it so we're, we're hoping to stay so tell me something kim because this has got to be one of the oldest restaurants in chicago and and typically you hear restaurants you know it's a hard business to maintain right like uh, i know so many people who have opened restaurants but they're nowhere near right uh, you know still around at this point so were there ever hard times well, there's many hard times. So it started as a bakery. Then in the 80s, my dad expanded it to the restaurant that it is today. So we, we did bread and pizza for many, many generations. And uh, then like in the 80s and 90s, when he expanded it to the restaurant, well, that added a whole new entity. We went seven days a week. We went lunch and dinner. Uh, so, you know, that in itself was a challenge. But uh, just changing with the times, of course, you know, all the things that have happened over the decades affect the way you run any kind of business, yeah. trends, technology, social media, everything has affected Keeping the up with all of that. Yeah. I mean, how have you handled keeping up with, with social media? I mean, is that your job, Lucian? Well, it's actually the job of my brother. Uh, you know, he's he's more interactive. Like I figured it was your generation on, on the TikToks and such. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's different trends yeah, daily almost, it seems like. So you try to see what, you know, the next thing is, how to get people into the restaurant and people my age, especially. I'm 23. So it's definitely important to reach out to those, those ages and those masses. For sure. So I'm going to ask this question that I asked previous guests, what do you think it takes for a small business to last and have that longevity, Kim? Well, definitely the hard work. It's physical. You know, it's it's physical, it's emotional, and you have to have your heart in it. So if your heart's not in it, you know, you might as well just walk away. If you're just looking for it, for the money, you know, you're not going to last. Yeah. Um, but when you really care, you care about what you're presenting to your customers and the relationships that you're building with them, you're going to stand the test of time. All right, John, let's pull you into the conversation here because I know that your family has been running Roser's Bakery for generations. So first question will be the one I just asked uh, Kim. Your take on what it takes for a small business to find that long-term success, like how do you how do you stick around? Well, I think first and foremost, you need to focus on the customer. Uh, if it wasn't for the customer, you wouldn't be there. Yeah. So you need to, um, you know, keep keep your eye on them and and make products that they want. You know, you don't you don't make products that you want as a business owner. Products that you think that are going to sell, you make products that they want to buy. Yeah. Um, so I think you're constantly looking for feedback from your customers. And incorporating um, that feedback, it of course. Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then you know the two main things of any business comes down to you know quality product and quality customer service. So you have to keep that up as well. You have to always buy superior ingredients, um, make a quality product, fresh product made from scratch, 
um, hand it out quickly with a smile on your face and you know, p- keep people coming back. That smile on your face, that keeps coming back, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, Rosers, it's, it's a staple in that neighborhood, John, and it's been there since 1911, 112 years. Tell us more about it for the folks who aren't as familiar. Tell us your, your origin story. Well, first thing I would say is we, we love our community. We love what we do, and um, it's been a, been a blessing to be there for as long as we have. Um, similar story to, to Kim and Lucian over here. Uh, my great-grandfather came here. Was his and, name Luigi, too? Uh, no, <laughs> John, actually. So, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm John Charles Rosa IV. My, my uh, uh-huh. great-grandfather that opened the bakery was, was senior. And then, uh, yeah, he came over here from, uh, from Germany uh, by way of England. Um, and actually, when he first came over, so so we opened the same retail location that we've always been in since 1911 on same North Avenue, Kedzie, uh, in 1911. But before that, in, in 1905, he actually had a, a partner um, named Jaworski, and uh, they were actually more in the wholesale business. And they were down on, like, in the Chicago Wells area, and they had two uh, horse and wagons, which was a huge deal back then. They were wow. a pretty big deal. Um, and then... They split off, and and my great grandfather wanted to to go into the retail business, so he did that. And Jaworski wanted to stay in the wholesale, and um, I don't know what happened to Jaworski, but that's that's the story there. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we put our roots down in, in Humble Park, which was, you know, obviously a much different neighborhood at that time, and it was mm-hmm. kind of almost more of like the edge of the city. And yeah, talk about um, that because because Humble Park it's changed a lot in the last century. So certainly. so how how has the bakery changed with it? Uh, just the products that we offer, I think, um, and we've kind of just kept offering more and more products for more and more, um, you know, different cultures and the different uh, demographic people that are living there. And um, and then we kind of just keep it around because hopefully they're all coming back and you kind of have like a melting pot, so to say, on your hands, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I You know, yeah. all people from all walks of life come to the bakery and uh, get all sorts of different products. So, I mean, we have our, you know, stapled traditional butterloaf coffee cake we've been making forever. We have, you know, bread pudding and pastelio de guava for, for the, you know, Puerto Rican culture. We mm. have, um, you know, we make kolachkis, um, kind of, you know, more Polish-centered. Fabulous. Um, yeah, we make a, a lot of a wide, wide range of products. Um, kind of just, yeah, for everybody who's who's come yeah. through there over the years. Well, I want to hear from all of you on this. I mean, how important has it been for your, your families and, and for your, your establishments to, to maintain that strong connection with the community? Uh, Kim? Yeah, our uh, little You're in Italy. Little Italy. Yeah, yeah, and that has really changed a lot over the years. And, you know, there's several, uh, you know, neighborhood people, as we like to say, <laughs> that have stayed. You know, and I'm really trying to hold on to the traditions that I even grew Where up Where you with. know the first names. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know what they're going to order. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. They come yeah. right in and we just, you know, we yeah. got it loaded up on the register already and, you know, make you it already easy know. for them. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, we're trying to maintain that little Italy tradition, but we have to evolve, too, because our neighborhood has changed so much with the university expansion and the hospitals and everything changing around us. So, you know, we want to fit to that community as well, just like you said here with uh, appealing to the younger groups that yeah. a little differently than maybe we ate years ago. So. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And, and, John, I mean, as you were talking about making the different um, dishes for you just – to appeal to different cultures, right? right? 
Yeah. You're surrounded by, you know, it's very multicultural, the Humble Park neighborhood. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the importance to you with for maintaining that connection with folks. Oh, very important. It's of the utmost importance. Um, I think no matter what your community is comprised of at any given time, you just have to be a part of it. Um, that's been one of the biggest reasons I think we've been around for so long, because we've been such a big part of our community and um, we support so many local events and, um, you know, donate cookies or other big goods or, you know, just be a part in, in any way we can in, in, in our community's, um, you know, goals and aspirations. Well, we got a voice memo from another longtime family business owner. So this business makes violins. Oh, wow. And it's been in Chicago for five generations. Here's a little clip from that message. My name is Paul Becker. I am the current owner of Carl Becker and Son, located in Chicago, which is where we have been making violins, violas, and cellos since 1850s. Our business has had many challenges throughout history, starting with the Chicago Fire, the Depression, the wars, the 70s and 80s inflation, the Great Recession, and finally the pandemic. In each of these instances, our business shrank to our core of making and expanding when the economics improved to include restoration and the buying and selling of instruments. So Paul talked about the hardships of the last century, the depression, inflation, you're all nodding, recession. <laughs> and I mean, you could almost say that we just kind of went through another one again, right. right? A pandemic and how the business sort of had to adapt over the years. I mean, you were all nodding as yeah. he was speaking. Does that resonate with you? No, absolutely. Oh, very much so. Yeah. What's the last few years been like for, for Pompeii? Um, so, obviously, we survived the pandemic, yeah. thankfully. Congratulations. Uh, we're very grateful for Thank that. You. Uh, with much support, you know, our great employees uh, that stuck with us through that. My dad was adamant about staying open and keeping everyone employed, and, and we did everything we could, and uh, and it worked, and everybody worked really hard. Uh, we had already established, uh, you know, carry out, um, delivery and everything prior to the pandemic. So mm -hmm. we were ready to go. Um, but what we found was everybody else that didn't do delivery or didn't do carry out got good at it. Yeah. So we had a lot more competition. Yeah. Uh, That's right. That. So, you know, again, we've had to adjust to the competition through mm -hmm. social media. Yeah, after those initial two weeks where we thought, yeah. oh, this is going to be yeah. this is going to be over. It's right? a two-week two week vacation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think at the time my kids were about to be on spring break. And so yeah. it was like, okay, yeah. just an extended spring break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. No biggie. Yeah. Little did we know. Little did we know. So everyone started to change. A lot of places started to offer those carry out options. And, and then. Uh, before you knew it, your Uber Eats and Postmates yeah. uh, right. options were, were a plenty. Sure. Uh, but not all of those establishments survived all the way through right. that three year mm. period. What was it like for you, John? Uh, similar to what they were saying. I think, well, I mean, the biggest shock to me was um, I, I actually uh, borrowed the lane dividers from my local bank to, to put a lane divider in there. And what? I, you know, put the stickers down on the floor that says social distancing six feet apart. That's a great idea. Because what, you know, it, the biggest shock, I think, to all of us was that we're used to just bringing people in and packing the store and everybody's right next to each other. Right. I mean, especially on a day like a Saturday when most people have their birthday parties and they're there to pick up their kids. I mean, and never did I think that. about possibly breathing too right. close to someone yeah. exactly. before so, this. So I think right. that was the biggest, you know, biggest um, eye-opening you know, change to me. Um, I have a window uh, that we serve ice cream out of that we don't 
generally use that often anymore because when we open that window, it tends to get a little dusty in there maybe. Yeah. Um, but we started using that window for people that wanted to walk up and... I mean, listen, you, you do what you can. Right. Right? Exactly. Um, let's hear from our friend Paul Becker again of uh, violin maker Carl Becker and Son. Here's what he had to say about the importance of reliability and even legacy. My grandfather was insightful when he instilled in me a gratitude and empathy for our customers, along with a work ethic for producing the best quality, keeping us reliable, along with an eye on efficiency. These characteristics guided our planning and have kept us current with the needs of our customers. I am very interested to see our business stand in time as a mantle of respect, quality, and generosity. Our thanks to Paul Becker for sharing his thoughts for the program. I mean, is it about changing with the times, Kim, or being reliable and steadfast? It's really both. Um, you know, you have to be reliable, of course. When someone walks in that door, they expect what they expect, you know, or they're new and they don't know what to expect. So you have to show them, you know, um, what they're going to experience and mm -hmm. you want it to be positive. And that's the thing, too. I imagine being around for so long, you might get complacent and think that everybody understands the way of Your our place and our business. Um, you have to constantly keep in mind, no, somebody could have just moved here yeah. and this is their first time yeah. walking yeah. in yeah and that's who we're trying to reach and so that yeah. smile that john talked about earlier like that's yeah. important yeah. especially that's then because you want them to become a repeat absolutely right yeah. absolutely. oftentimes you know a lot of people come in for the first time they don't necessarily know which way to walk down our line because we're you know fast casual style cafeteria in a way yeah and uh that's how you know i like to go up to them right away and tell them this is what we have this is how it works and uh if you have any questions let me know um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a really cool experience to see somebody for the first time. In yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. How do you do the balancing act, John? Changing with the times and then being that steadfast business that we've we've come to know and love. Right. So I think, you know, you keep your staples that you, you know that everybody loves. You can generally point out the people who haven't who haven't been to our store when they come in because they're the ones that kind of walk in and look around at oh, all yeah. the pictures and look at the ceiling <laughs> and staring. you know whereas our regulars they come in and they know exactly I where our chocolate is exactly yeah <laughs> um so you know it's it's kind of easy to differentiate between the two of those uh, kind of customers but um you know, back to what I was just saying. Yeah, just just listen to the customers. Yeah. You have to be innovative. You know, so you have to stick with these with these trends. And you never know, there the, could be a pandemic. The next, yeah, exactly. Right. The next best thing that's that's gonna <laughs> happen to the baking world. You got to keep following that and making new products. Listening to people. Um, you know. Yeah. Keeping close watch on what they want. Well, Paul Becker of uh, violin maker Carl Becker and Sons. He mentioned in his messages there lessons from his grandfather. What lessons did you learn from your family that you, to this day, you say, I'm still putting into the bakery, I'm still putting into Pompeii? You first, John. Well, I think a very important lesson would be to invest in yourself and invest in your business. I think a lot of business owners, what they do is, is you know, make the mistake of just, you know, pocketing any of the profits and using it for their personal life. But really, you should be putting some of that back into the business and yeah. helping to grow that and make that more efficient. Uh, I mean, isn't that the goal when you set out to do something like this? Yeah. I would think you so. Would think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you would think. She says. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's not always the case. Yeah. No, right. But you know, just like if you're looking at the stock market or something like the business, if you're a business owner, that is your investment. So if you're going to put money in the stock market, you should put money in your business. You know. Right. Um, so I think that's very important. And 
And I also think just sweating, I, I say this all the time, people sweating the small stuff. I mean, I think you have to sweat the small stuff. It's all about the details. The details are what's going to separate you and what's going to make people remember you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's in part why we've been there for so long. Um, you know, keeping an eye on um, material costs and, and, you know, making those materials last. I mean, I try to tell my staff all the time, you know, scraping buckets so you're getting every last bit of yes. that yeah. filling out of the bucket. Things like it. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lucian and Kim are, are nodding. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people that don't do that. Yeah. There's a lot of waste yeah. in our, our industry, unfortunately, and that mm-hmm. uh, is highlighted at times. Um, yeah, and you see those lessons from your great-grandfather yeah. still trickling down, Lucian? <laughs> well, just even from my grandfather now. You know, I just see the way that he acts with the customers. He he gets up, He you know, they'll be sitting down, he'll ask how their food is, how everything is, and, you know, just from being a young kid running around the restaurant, you know, I, I got to grow up and now I'm working in there and I get to do the same thing. What a cool experience. For yeah, you. you know, it's just reciprocating those those uh, details and everything. So, yeah. I mean, from your standpoint, Kim, this has got to be pretty awesome. Oh, it is. It is. It's, it's great. I know that my parents are happy. Uh, they have five grandchildren. So I know what ultimately would make my mom especially the most yeah. happy is to see all the kids working together and, and yeah. having this transcend another generation for yeah. sure. We've been talking with Lucian and Kim DePoffey of Pompeii Restaurant in Little Italy and John Roser of Roser's Bakery in Humboldt Park. Thank you all so much for stopping by. Here's to another century yes. of Thank business. Thank you for having us. This episode of Reset was produced by Maha Ahmed and it was edited by Stephanie Kim and Andrew Merriweather. If you want to connect with more of your neighbors from across the city, we'll consider signing up for the Reset newsletter. Subscribers are always sharing their thoughts on the stories that we cover on the show, plus suggestions for great things to do in the city or what to read and watch. Just go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That'll do it for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. when information continues to come at us faster and faster. Sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.